And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Welcome to Social Media White Noise. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that, Ted, but we've had complaints that the intro's too long. We're on, on air. air. That's yeah. it. Yes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode. Is it 90? 90. 90. This is the 90. Nice random. 90. 90. Right. Of Social Media White Noise. I'm Andy White, Acker Dr. Bob. Scott's D O C T O R P O D. And I am. He possibly, is. Possibly. Nick Butler, aka Loudmouth Man at loudmouthman.com. And we are in uh, Milk and Bread. Well, it We're is called Milk and Bread. cafe of Milk and Bread. But you think it's called cafe, because what it says on the outside is a great big cafe. Big red sign that says cafe, cafe. outside. Huge, so when you see it, font. that's what it'll say. But it's, mm. um, it's opposite uh, Cafe Mia, and we're on White Cross Street and, what's this, Sydney Street? Mm. Yep. Oh, I'm getting right. See, I'm getting so bright in. Yep. I'm, no. I'm, um, oh, I got it wrong. No, this is Trafalgar Street. This is Trafalgar Street. Oh, I'm so failing. Yep. Oh, well. But Sydney Street is to stand there. You can't see me pointing on an audio podcast, but yeah, anyway. I always find pointing in an audio podcast works so. I do it all well. the time, Nick. You enjoy you're enjoying your muffin, mm. and the coffee. Yeah, mine's going to run out before we get to the end of this podcast. So oat carrot and raisin muffin, really nice. Hmm. These guys have been open for just for a couple of weeks. Um, perfectly timed, I feel, to be open mm. at the time at which I went. Ah, oh, my usual hangout has disappeared. I turn around, and lo, I saw the cafe of milk and bread. Mm. And where was much happiness abounding. Flooding with milk hey, and bread. Speak, speaking of happiness abounding, you're all up for it and I'm all down on it. You're Mr. Positive, I'm Mr. Negative. It can only be an Olympic topic. Did you enjoy the Olympics, mate? I didn't watch it. Oh, it was great. I, I, am, I am neither enjoying it nor dissatisfied by it. Mm. I was completely indifferent to it. Watched the closing ceremony last night and thought, oh, damn, I've missed the Olympics. No, not really, because I... It's nice just to have them in the background. I don't know why. It's just a nice atmosphere. And that Saturday where we won all those medals was awesome. Good old Jess Ennis. I, I, I have no... Hang on, James Ellis isn't in the chat. He's sponsored by King of Shades, who's our sponsor as well. Mm. Oh, well, there you go. So there's a, there's a vague, there's a vague association go. with me in the Olympics. Mm. I'm, I'm just utterly indifferent to it. But it, it's interesting that if you hold a position that says, I don't find it interesting... I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I am not neither satisfied nor interested in the Olympics. The immediate conversation that comes back, and I've watched this for the past couple of weeks, has been on two levels. The first one has been, you are negative, which I find amazingly attacking. It's, it's like the first thing they do is say, you're a negative person because you have no interest in sports. You're negative. Right, well, I'll tell you something interesting. I know I'm negative. I love the Olympics. I'm a negative dude. I always see the glass half empty. But I love the Olympics. It's great. I always see a glass of water and I don't care how much is you're in it. You're the opposite. You see it half full. Well, yeah. I'd say you're an optimist. I mean, yeah, most, most people would say I'm cynical, but they fail to understand what a cynic is. So mm. uh, that's, that's, a, that's a different mechanism. But I, I find it interesting that you get told you're negative. Um, and the other thing I think is interesting is, and, it, and it's, it's a sort of mass hysteria stroke cult mindset that it's weird watching people in it because you think in another situation mm. would you be saying that and it's like they'll say ah oh, but it's 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 really uplifting it creates a positive environment and if it makes people feel good what harm is it doing and the what harm is it doing i've i've always heard when it's associated with a very poor argument 
to, to argue why do something, what harm is it doing? Well, I, I therefore sort of turn the conversation around and say, can you demonstrably show me what good it has done? Because I, I mean, I've, Ooh, I've been Sorry, keen to point out that at the same time that the Olympics was running, mm-hmm. Young Rewired State held its Festival of Code, right. which was the accumulation of over 400, I think it was 450 centres around the UK, yeah. which was the contribution of kid, you know, children programmers, and we're talking young programmers, sort of under the age of 14, over the age of seven, who are writing software, not just on Scratch, but actual, you know, Python, Ruby, and PHP. <laughs> Serious stuff, yeah. Serious stuff to develop into the web. Um, and they've been writing software with the view to sort of heading towards this festival code, at which point they were judged by industry peers. So we're talking about kids whose whose role models are not athletes or celebrities, but whose role models are scientists and programmers yes. and, and developers. Um, and, and when you say, well, what, what, you know, what's well, not doing any harm? It's like, well, here's, here's some demonstrable good. I can look to these kids having built on the work of others, mm-hmm. having developed on the ideas and taken information. You know, our technical future. And the future of, of industry and opportunity for Britain mm-hmm. is in the hands of these children. If we're, going to set the te- if we're going to set the future of Britain in the hands of athletes, that's great. We are going to be the fastest people out running a lack of technical benefits in the year 2015. It's interesting, isn't it? It's like glitz. The sports arena has the glitz, it has the razzmatazz, it has the opening ceremonies. It's hypnotic. Um, and once everyone's wouldn't it be interesting it, if teaching people how to code so that we have a real export in this country have the same glitz and razzmatazz. Can you imagine it? <laughs> an opening just, ceremony just, at a massive geek fest. Well, why, why can we not have... I mean, it's, it, let's look to most of Asia, in fact, let's look to South Korea, mm. who focus, as well as having an interest in sports, also focus on a, on a level playing field, on a similar priority for sports and science. They have robotic Olympics. They wow. get together, yeah. have big events where kids and, and adults and people have taken programming and taken software and taken hardware and constructed them to compete. Mm. Because that's what they think that's just as equally as valid. Mm. You know, they have TV shows and all about StarCraft. They, they feel it's equally as valid. Now, I will then get the argument, well, there's space for all of this. Mm. And I agree with you, there is space for all this. So why isn't there? Because if I go and do a quick scan of the TV channels and a quick scan of all the newspapers, I can guarantee you that there will be pages dedicated to sports at the back of most papers. It's because geekdom doesn't sell media. It's sports intellectualism. Does. We prefer to dumb down anything that's too smart. There's a desire to say anything intellectual is something that we shouldn't be considered to be proud about. And it's madness. Mm. So what can we do about it? Well, we actually need to change. We, and they say, oh, we need to change at the schools. Oh, we need to change at the media. No, we actually we need to change it for each other. What we should be doing, and, and I've, I'm quite happy to make myself a real pain in the arse on this one, is to continue to promote the idea Look, that we are not promoting it. science enough. I know, it's unusual so for me to suggest that. It is unusual for you to try and be a pain in the arse. Anyway, so maybe we should uh, get, you know, go to some media companies, such as Wild Wild Media, and, and uh, ask them to, do, to televise. Or, you know, or, or get out there. Think of a number, Johnny Moore okay. on BBC Children's TV. So it has to be a whole number, or can, can was it be a set decimal? 37. Was a... 11.2, <coughs> actually. Was a fantastic example of when we began to take a little bit seriously that it was okay 
to be smart and to look at science. Mm. And we don't have something similar to that at the moment. We didn't need Johnny Ball. We need we well we don't just need one. We need many more. We Johnny need a team Balls. of Johnny we need Balls. Professor Brian Coxes. We need more. We know we need more Bobak Fedowskis. Yeah, we, we need we need people to realise that after we look at all these athletes and say, isn't it great? Isn't it wonderful? And these athletes have done what? Run, swum, jumped. Okay, they've done everything more than I could do, but that's still not justification for the argument. That's, that's, how's that even they can run faster than you. So what? I'm going to say, put it to you, that in 40 years' time, when you look back on the fact that they could run faster than me, we still won't have improved science, we still won't have improved energy, we still won't have fixed our dependency at all, and we still won't have cured cancer. These are things that we might actually want to do. And they say, oh, sports is good because you can have a sound body and a sound mind. I say to you that if you focus on science, you can begin to have sounder minds that can live within sounder bodies. This rant is brought to you by Nick Butler of loudmouthman.com. I'm done with that one now. Move on to the next topic. Just a little, one last point on the Olympics. I think it was terrific. I, I just the only thing that concerns me slightly is that I just hope we can take the momentum and the good feeling and do something with it. I'm not quite sure how that happens. It's not going to happen. <laughs> They're not going to do it. It's it's like stepping out of the cinema and going, "Wow, that was really great. I feel really bolstered. I can be Batman." You're not going to do it. And also, I wonder <laughs> if there were any stories we haven't heard about from the from the light blue clad um, advertising army that we spoke of. The thing that really wound us up, or certainly wound me up. I haven't heard anything more about that. There's I wonder been, if, if stories will emerge. There has been very little, but there is a lot of stories now emerging of places now opening that's making people happy. Uh, like uh, Greenwich Village is now open again. Oh, okay, yeah, right. It's kind of back to normal. So, yeah. Things being back to normal. Hey, other things being back to normal. Yeah. How about America continuing to be, um, you know, uh, take, take a douchebag manoeuvre on the internet? What's going on here? Because I did read something bre- re- quite in, recently about... In December of this year, so yeah. coming up, the United Nations is holding the World Conference on <laughs> International Telecommunications. E.g., it's all about the internet, but we don't really even say it. And what they're looking for is a discussion which says, look, America, you run ICANN which is the sort of, um, it's all the way down here actually, I never get it right, but it's basically the committee for addresses and namespaces. So they want to bring it into the government? And, and it's looking to say, well look, rather than having it controlled exclusively by America, yeah. why don't we actually bring, because the internet's more than just America, yeah. let's bring it over to the EU. Let's bring it over to the United Nations. Let's yeah. bring it over, it's not the EU, United Nations, it's two different things. Yeah. Um, but let's bring it over to the United Nations. Let's, let's make the access of the internet something more than simply... Um, Andy being distracted by a stewardess walking past. Let's make the internet Is that more than controlled by America. And America have said no. And they have come up with various reasons for it. I believe the reason that America do not want to lose control of the internet is twofold. First of all, um, American media has begun to exercise an almost uh, territorial-like um, control through mm. the internet over exercising the rights of the company in foreign countries by sending armed forces out to shut down um, file uploading sites, or by encouraging, as they've done with Demonoid, by encouraging countries to hand over the servers and the server admins to America as part of a trade sanction negotiation topic. So if America controls ICANN and still controls that bit, it has the opportunity to continue to maintain some level of sanctions, which, as I keep pointing out, we shouldn't be having the internet in control of any one government. 
Mm. It should actually be in control of every individual. Well, didn't we just postulate that the internet is a country in its own right? It's, it's, it's a territory in its own right. It's a territory in its own right. It's a territory of the mind. Like Monaco. Well, the Vatican. Vatican, yeah, yeah. Or the London city. It should be a city and a city. You know, there, well, there is hey, an Nick, internet pope. Nick we Butler for internet pope. Charles Stross. He's the anti-pope. Okay. Um, America kicked off, and there's an article here about why I can, basically saying you can't. <laughs> I had to get there with that one. Yeah. With that one. Yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, on our internets that are supposed to be the land of the free and the great and the good, uh, there's a report that sits I've got visions of, of Mel Gibson shouting freedom, but never mind. Torrent freak. Torrent freak, dumb. Which exposes that BitTorrent... Uh, BitTorrent throttling internet service providers. How internet service providers in the States and the UK and parts of the EU are focusing on torrent streams and packets that are going through and throttling them back. Hang on, hang on. the ISPs are? The internet service providers. Okay, right. Now, torrenting is a protocol. It's not, it, it's not, I mean, the general assumption is, oh, if you're torrenting, it's going to be something illegal. Because a lot of things that go over at torrent are illegal. Is the anecdotal statistical evidence provided by the media companies. Well, I was, I was breaking the law walking up there because I was listening to a podcast streaming straight for, over the internet. And was it streaming via torrent? I don't know. It was via it. Apple's uh, new podcast app. I, I, I suspect. But it was streaming it was stream, nevertheless. UDP, but it wasn't a torrent. Over. But it was not a torrent. So torrent is a, is a protocol, is it? Torrent, torrent is a torrent is a protocol. It's basically a, a, a series of rich. Well, it sits on on top of TCP/IP. Yeah. And it handles the exchange of packets of a file. Right. Between peers mm-hmm. that are requesting it. And so it's peer-to-peer protocol. So, well, it's not doing peer-to-peer, because right. where peer-to-peer is concerned, you generally hand off to peers requesting it, and you're handing out. But where you're actually interested in torrenting yeah. is you're handing out packets. And if somebody along comes along and says, I need this bit of the file, instead of handing that bit of the file, you might say, actually, these five guys have got more capacity to hand you that bit of the file than right. I have. Go and ask them. So it comes from, a different, come from multiple so, sources. So what happens then is as that file goes out... Yeah more people get access to it, they're all brought into the pool of people who can then share that file out, okay. but not as one... So when you connect to download a file through a torrent, everybody's listening to this knows this, I'm sure, but when you're downloading a torrent file, you're not necessarily downloading it from a single source, no. which is what you were doing in the days of Napster and peer-to-peer. Sure. You're actually downloading parts. So one of the arguments that could be had that says you were sharing copyrighted material to this IP address from this IP address mm-hmm. is to say, well, actually, I didn't hand out the complete file. Mm. In fact, only they received a part of the file from me and a part of the file from them and a part of the file from them because technologically speaking, that's what it is. Mm. Meanwhile, this report focuses on the fact that BT throttle torrents by up to 65%. Now, you can use torrents for equally valid content. I mean, there's, a, there's an awful lot of open source software that I download and mirror mm-hmm. through a torrent. I also use torrents to handle some of my backups. So rather than backing up machines, I share a pool of storage across a number of machines, Mm -hmm. and I actually use torrents so that when a file drops in, it immediately syncs around to all the other machines. And each machine copies it off so they handle bandwidth. Um, They show the best in the UK is O2, who are throttled by 2%. I don't know where Sky are in that particular mix. Is this so that other internet traffic can get a look-in? Is that why they're throttling it? Well, okay, so the, the debate about get internet traffic getting a look-in is um, it's one of those spurious arguments that's put out there because these are the companies that are responsible for taking your money to provide the infrastructure. 
if they're going to provide you TCP IP and internet access, they should not be doing it on a, um, on a subscription level basis, saying, oh, we'll give you the internet, but only this many protocols, and then you'll have to pay to access this many protocols. It is what, it would benefit the internet service provider industry to be able to make you think this is a good idea because it gives them subscription levels they can charge you for but it also begins to break up the internet in the same way that airwaves are broken up for channel provision mm. to satellite and we need to avoid that idea occurring we need people to realise that the internet is TCP IP mm. and everything that goes over the TCP part of that not the IP the, the, the data is inside the TCP everything goes over the TCP part of that is sacrosanct and doesn't get to be overly doesn't get to be overly controlled by one yeah. internet service provider differentially curtailed and I think unless we're again unless we're really aware this is going on and making a noise about it explaining to our MPs why it's outrageous this and, and it's, it's like I'm, I'm seeing this happening about the Wi-Fi people are actually getting into their heads that Wi-Fi is something that you buy into um, by provider. So you have to have a BT account, or you have to have an O2 account. And so they're separating up public Wi-Fi, and so companies that can afford to distribute networks, and companies that can't. And it's, and it's a sort of segregation of, well, we've got the money to put the hardware out there. Companies like BT, who already have the unfair advantage of having a huge amount more infrastructure in place, which they can provide to themselves without any overhead or, or you know, reasons why they can't do it. And they say, oh yes, we'll open up our trunkings to other companies, but it isn't easy for other companies to jump in. <laughs> so BT already have this monopoly that was paid for by the British public when BT was a publicly owned company by the government. They've had this advantage, and instead of utilising that to provide the best quality service, the best free service, because I genuinely think that BT Open Zone Wi-Fi points should be freely available. Right. You know, we should maybe go back to saying these should be public services that should be as available as the streets that we have on our roads. The light from the, the lamppost we have lights on our roads. The lights from the lamppost yeah. and so forth. So. Talking of which, there was a technology, wasn't there, using light as a Wi-Fi? Didn't hear about that one. Uh, Little yes. fluctuations in light. I think they were using LEDs, though, if I remember correctly. There was a, there was a story that I, I spotted that suggested that they were using Wi-Fi signals to see what was inside a building. Ah. So they could, see, they could see the shadows of what was inside by the interference in the Wi-Fi. So they could work out how many people were in a room. Not to be confused with seeing round corners using is it Fento photography. You heard of that one? Uh, no. Well, photography is like ultra high speed. It's, it's so you like actually see a, a wave of light. Yeah, one like wave of light progressing across the frame. Yeah, it just. I mean, honestly, to me, it just looks like. How do we know it's not just a really dark thing and they've got an LED going <laughs> in the middle of it? It's not literally someone's hand going, oh, damn, and getting out of the frame. <laughs> Somebody's hand. <laughs> going really slowly with the torch. The, the stream breaks on the ends. <laughs> but what happens if we slow it down so far, we eventually find the little guy with the, with the torch <laughs> running along. <laughs> and the, our universe is made up of a million numbskulls. Looking at his torch, hitting it, saying, it doesn't look like it's on. Oh, Einstein, damn it, it's in front of me. I'm running too fast to see the light. <laughs> <laughs> you actually made a speed of light joke there. Uh, yeah, it was. It was very geeky. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. You might be missed. Uh, bugger. Hey, should we, we talk about our sponsors? We should talk about our sponsors. Yes. King of Shades, isn't it? You thank you, King of Shades. You normally have a good old go about 
you know, the razor, which I'm now using, the Azure razor. You are, you are using it, I am using it. And um, I, I was shaving this morning with the King of Shaves <laughs> gel yeah. and the King of Shaves Azure razor blade. And the two things that struck me was, first of all, that um, I no longer, I, when I had the Gillette, I used to make the blades last as long as I can because they cost too much. Yeah. Now I have the King of Shaves. I replace the blades more often. I don't scrape the blade across my face in a desperate attempt to get one more day out of it. And it's costing me less. I like that. That's, that's, what, that's what we want to have. That's why I like King of Shaves to be a sponsor of the show. Because the pricing of the blades and the pricing of the shaving materials, the pricing of the handles is superior to what the other products I can buy and I get a superior shave. And I, I can't say much more than that, other than I'm not shaving with half lump blades on a regular basis, mm. as much as I used to with Gillette. And it's, it's brilliant. If there was one more thing I might ask of him, and I'll, I know that William uh, King, uh, who provides the sponsorship here, is, is always willing to listen to ideas. It's, I'd actually like to send my blades back in their cartridge case. Ah. I'd like to know I could, gen- I'd like to know I could get them full recycled. Because those little plastic cases that they come with could yeah. be washed and reused. See, I haven't got to that stage yet, because I only bought the Azure a couple of weeks back. And um, so I haven't got to the replacing the blade bit yet. But the only one I like about it is a simple design. It's just, why have a complicated hinge when you can just bend? I'll say no more. It has a simple Perfection. bending. Nicely weighty as well. It has bendology. Bendology, yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Hey, uh, speaking of things that can bend, yep. the laws in France are being quite stretched to capacity by the issues of trying to chase down the three strikes law that they implemented a few years back. Now, they did this ahead of everyone else, didn't they? Or did they? I'm trying no, to remember. They, they were sort of joining the bandwagon. Yeah. It was around about the time that SOPA was being But it, it was their well. own implementation, wasn't it? It wasn't and part it was, of... Yeah, it was, their, it was their H-A-D-O-P-I, Hadopi Copyright Law. Okay. Uh, and it's dying. The, the article from Cory Doctorow, yeah. uh, the jewel of Sarkozy's regime, the happy copyright policy, a rule that said if you live in the same house as someone who's been accused of copyright infringement, you would lose your internet access. And I have to point out, the Digital Economy Act that is passed in the UK contains similar mm-hmm. legislation. So what's happening in France then? When they're trying, have they been trying to, impl- to um, actually enforce it? It's on the outs because the budget to enforce it, mm. the effort to enforce it, is, is just constantly climbing. It's impossible to maintain. It turns out what was explained to these people about attempting to manage and monitor and maintain it. They said, oh, well, you know, the, what they first came back with is it's been very successful because we're no longer monitoring as many people breaking copyright. Yeah. But what actually happened was everybody just switched to encrypting everything. So, of course, you were no longer monitoring it. You can't see it anymore. That doesn't mean it's not going on. That just means, means that you've now flagged it as an easier way for people not to be found. This is a pattern we're seeing, Nick. So, I was listening to Leo Laporte uh, last week, and he was talking about some law, or, or there wasn't law, he was talking about large companies implementing bonkers policies, knowing that they probably weren't quite right, and then when they went wrong, big apology, oh, we're very sorry, We'll, we'll fix it for those few people that, that kind of like come back and say fix it please people like you people like me and say fix it 
and lawmakers do the same thing. So they're coming up with stupid laws that they know are broken. And they're, oh, well, I genuinely when we try and enforce them. Well, I do not believe they know they're broken. I don't right. believe they understand at right. all. I mean, if you ask Jeremy Hunt a very straightforward question and he takes four times before he understands it because you have to keep repeating the question clearly, mm. you guarantee that these MPs, outside of Tom Watson, are you, refer- are you referring to a question that was asked to Jeremy Hunt recently? That he oh, I asked answer? Jeremy Hunt a spirit. You asked it, right. Questions. It was on a video. That video has been taken down now. What, from YouTube? From West Sussex County Times. Web- West Sussex County Times. Who owns the video? West Sussex County Council's uh, website where they were hosting about broadband summits. But it's a different topic. Okay. But I genuinely think that some of these people do not understand these questions when asked. Okay. And I think they are... They're caught up in the framed standard response that goes up there with... You're just being negative, and really, if it's so good, what harm does it do anyway? Do these people like the Olympics that say this? Funnily enough. <laughs> anyway, this Sadopi law has only caught 314 people. 314 people. Right. I mean, when, when it was set up, there was over a million... Um, Hadopi sent one million warning emails to 999,000 strike two letters. Turns out, it didn't work for them. Mm. <laughs> it's like, well... Why are we trying to implement this in the UK? It we're about to spend money on something that's not going to work again. Mm. We know it's not going to work because we constantly see examples of it not working. But we obviously can't learn because that's being negative and if it does something good and it doesn't do any harm, why don't we do it anyway? <laughs> and you're just being negative. Yes. You're being negative about it. It's the thing about encryption though, and we, we've touched on this, we... In our podcast, we've talked about things that later on people come back and say, oh, that, we, we talked about 3D printing and copyright issues. Yes. That's now becoming a thing. Yeah. We've talked about terrorism and encryption. And encryption, you know, if you go ahead and start using encryption, you might be considered a terrorist because you're using tools to hide what you're doing. You're hiding your activity. We've talked about the Facebook posts that when you hide yourself from Facebook, you're actually quite dodgy. Mm. Well, Privacy PC has an article here from um, it's an article from investigative journalist Duncan Campbell that discusses the use of encryption and terrorist activities. And the too long didn't read summary of this is actually a lot of the terrorist attacks that have occurred, terrorists didn't use any encryption. Mm. They were just using plain text, they were communicating openly. Um, the people making use of encryption today um, are doing it for legitimate reasons or are doing it for reasons that the media and the copyright industry would rather you didn't uh, because they're concerned that it's going to make it harder. I mean, there's a, there's a very good example given in an article I think we linked to that is the feds the, 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 in America, FBI, being concerned that it's harder for them to track down um, paedophiles because the paedophiles are now using encryption. Is that true? And so um, it's not. It's a true thing that it was said. If we sent out, you know, if we sent out a questionnaire to paedophiles asking them, and and what we come back to is there is this desire. And so, and those of you who are old enough to remember twenty years ago the key escrow debacle and the Whitfield Diffie debacle uh, and RSA. Uh, you're looking at me a little bit blankly. It's something. That's no, because I'm just a bit tired from walking up here with that big bag. At this point, I would be, if this was a visual podcast, playing the world's tiniest violin. 
We appreciate, <coughs> I don't think people understand that the hard work that Andy actually does here to get this podcast put together includes carrying um, a military grade, heavy duty industrial bag filled with technology. Funny it was. Um, filled with technology uh, in order for us to sit in a cafe and do a podcast. Which again has to, because Brighton is all about its hills. Yes, it's and, built on and, seven hills. And Brighton lives, and Andy lives on one of the hills, and all the cafes are on the other side of the hill. So he has to walk into the valley and up out of the valley in order to come and do this. So thank you, Andy. Thanks, Nick. Everybody Thanks for pointing that out you. to the to free listeners. It is appreciated, Andy. Mm. And you're getting fit. Put that tiny violin down there. And a sound body and a sound bind. <laughs> it looked so good. Anyway, carry on. There was this debacle where the governments tried to suggest that if any encryption was going to happen, the keys for the, that would handle the encryption would have to be registered with the government to ensure the government could, this thing called V-chip and so forth, could unencrypt data that was going through. So they wanted to have access to encrypted data, just in case, just in case we need to monitor um, there is another article we might talk about on our next show uh, about a thing called Trapwire and the American surveillance of emails that's been going on. There was a great TED video about six months ago about this bloke who was, um, I think the feds approached him quite wrongly for something. And ever since, he has told the feds his every single move. He has provided an RSS feed yes, to the feds. Yes, I remember that one. guy. Yes. So when he goes to the loo, there's a little geolocation but RSS feed. I'm now we, weeing. But we go to the feds. We sort of joked about this, and on May the 4th, everybody emailed Theresa May their emails for the day. Because she right. wanted, she wants her, um, Theresa May would like to see the government implement policy that forces internet service providers to keep track of all the email headers yeah. and all the visiting headers. So it's like, well, look, if you really want to know what we're all doing, Here's what happens. If this ha- if, if they decide to do it, and our civil protest is to tell them everything we're doing, yeah. they get flooded with information to the point that what they're looking for is again hidden in the noise. It's, it's a nano needle in a mega haystack. It turns out, and I'm, I'm sure we could we could get, I'm, I'm sure we could probably find somebody from the. Uh, sort of crime investigation community um, from the security specialists who are well above my pay grade um, would say actually in terms of investigation uh, random discovery through overheard emails and so forth is pretty minimal compared to discovery via known threats and known people that you're monitoring so you don't need to monitor everybody just in the off chance you might discover but that's what we would like to do because what happens is, when something bad happens, the media, and it's the media we should really be going up in arms about, the media focus on the politicians and say, why didn't you protect us? As if we should expect politicians to legislate to the position that everybody should be protected on an equal level. Which is the most unrealistic thing, because to do that, you have to abuse everybody's rights. So the media are keen to encourage the sca- This then creates the problem that if they're breaking, breaking people's rights and they're upset with people's rights, they now have a new story. The media, you know, the, the government wants to look on everything you're doing. Isn't that scandalous? Holy heck, here, why are we being bad around? It's like, you know, the, 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 the storms of controversy are constantly being um, sort of encouraged by the media more than anything else. Possibly it's just all conflated, inflated, and hyped up. But hey, 
it's a good thing not to be negative about this. And I'm sure that they're doing something good, so what harm does it possibly do? And in mid-rant, Zebedee appears and says it's time for bed, because we're at 31 minutes and 25 seconds, Nick. Well, there we are, with the noise of Wickenden Waste Paper disposal in the background. Free plug there. Hey, you would so that's Wickenden Waste Paper at hotmail.co.uk. If this company could genuinely afford to run all these trucks, they could at least invest in a domain name. They've got a hotmail.co.uk address. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of being cheap, but that is the ultimate in not being bothered. <laughs> Any more to discuss, Nick, or should we no, wrap it? No, we're done. I'm done. Okay. My name has been Nick Butler, a.k.a. Loudmouth Man. My name has been Andy White, a doctor pod, and it will continue to be. And if you'd like to go to socialmediawhitenoise.com, find the donate button, and drop us a donation, we will be forever drinking coffee until such time as we run out of cash. Thank you very much, people, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Social Media White Noise, brought to you by Andy White, Acker Doctor Pod, and Nick Butler, Acker Loudmouth Man. Please visit www.socialmediawhitenoise.com, where you can leave comments, listen to the show straight from the webpage, and subscribe for free. Email us at ulot at socialmediawhitenoise.com. Follow us on Twitter, Doctor Pod, and Loudmouth Man. We'd like to thank the coffee shops of Sussex social media and technology, without whom this show would not be possible. See you soon. Peace.